We would love to welcome everybody to the Valor podcast today. Um, we are sitting here uh, a little shocked and confused. We had a, a really, uh, we were really stoked to have a special guest on and, and hopefully they come on later, but uh, it's a good lesson in life to have, <laughs> to have plan A, plan B, plan C. And so um, we've just been sitting here chatting, you know, what's, what's the topic? Um, first off, Who's here? Like who's who's joining us today? It's myself, Jess Regan. We've got Jason, Jason Hershey, Hershey. <laughs> uh, River Skinner, and joining us again, Bryson Christensen. We appreciate you being here. The most handsome Valor. Yeah, it's, Valor. I don't know about that. Well, most handsome over forty. Are you sponsored? <laughs> are you sponsored by Jim Shark or is it that, always goes up? It like, always, like, like I make three you years. a little older every time. <laughs> like three years every time you talk about it. <laughs> well, it so, makes you look better. Every it's time. gonna be eighty. That's just because I'm just getting fine. old, so I just like to point I'll out be, that you're I'll, older than me. I think I'm the oldest here. Right? Yeah, How old are you? But you look twelve. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Skincare. Somewhere, somewhere skin north care. of thirty-five. I don't keep track of it after that. Well, let's. Okay, this this show should be about skincare. <laughs> this is a, this is a serious topic. River, um, this is your time to shine. Because how many how <laughs> many else? men? No, I I really I, I'm curious. How many men do you think have a skincare routine? I think most of them uh, care for one particular part of their body. Right. Like they they, they get sure a lot of lotion. Really, <laughs> really well taken care of. Right. Your feet. <laughs> yeah, your feet. Of yeah, course, for sure. Totally. Uh, I I think uh, so. My my fiance, it's like really important to her. She does all of her you know skincare routine. And I was like. Oh, what does this do? And she starts teaching me like, well, this, this does this. And this is your, you know, your night routine. This is your morning routine. This keeps your retinol or whatever, you know, I don't know. But the words, I, but. Ironically, women have the worst skin compared to like men. Like I'll, I'll just rub my face with like an old, like oil <laughs> rag that I used to change my dirt bike. I look beautiful. And girls are over there like toothbrush, toothbrush on their nose. And, right. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Well, I assume it's makeup, right? Like it's probably the chemicals and makeup that are that are causing some damage. So I've always thought like, if you see a good looking guy, that's like, a, that's a really good looking guy, right? Cause you don't, sometimes you don't know if it's a good looking girl, there could be, you know, all the shades and yeah. <laughs> nobody's willing to like, that, <laughs> nobody's willing to go in on that. <laughs> Next topic. And are, yeah. they, are they wearing makeup too? <laughs> <laughs> the guy? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's Maybe. also in, the, in 2020. Thing. Very, very likely. That's common. Good for them. If I were brave enough, well, I don't want to talk about it, but I might have some on right so, now. So, so what? Uh, yeah, guys, interesting day. Uh, Jess, Jess introduced us. I didn't know we were going to full on own the fact that we had an awesome guest come on that uh, that had something come up last minute. So we're getting that rescheduled. Um, but it it is a great topic that sometimes when uh, when you're pretty pumped about something and, and headed down that direction. Um, and things, things, things out of your control will change. And, and how do you respond to that? Um, so, I mean, River, help us out. <laughs> River, how would you, how would you <laughs> respond to that? Well, I, I think it's one of those things where I think it actually goes with the makeup. It's like you, you want, at least for me, I want something bad, right? Like I want to be beautiful. I want to have this awesome guest on. And you try really hard and you're super excited about it. And it's almost when you're super excited about something, you repulse things. And I think it's almost better to just surrender in a lot of ways and just be willing to accept and, and go like a 
and, and be able to go with the flow. And I think when you desire things so so deeply, that's when you actually start pushing them away. But when you're more of just like, we'll see how it goes, that's when things will actually come. And um, and I think everybody knows, like, and I can picture a few people in my head, but everybody knows somebody that is like the picture perfect entrepreneur. They work hard, but they just lust after money so hard that they literally can't figure out how to get $2. Like it, it boggles my mind because it's so true. Like when, when you are so obsessed and don't get me wrong, I'm obsessed with business. I'm obsessed with money to an extent, but I'm more obsessed with the process. And I, I, I think, I think you're dead on though. Like I think especially with financial, like we see it with sales reps a lot too, where they want to make, hundred grand or they want to make 200 grand or they want to make 300 grand, but they want to make it so bad that they forget to make the first $10. I actually went through a whole like four day training. Um, and it's very, very deep, very, very intense. And, and part of that training is they actually show you like your ego side and then your actual spirit side. So it's like your ego versus your spirit. And my ego was like a, they actually call me like a kamikaze pilot because, because like as a natural self-sabotager. And, um, I think, I think there's something weird about that when like you're, when you're desiring the $300,000, you're desiring something. I know for me, naturally, my natural um, way of acting out of ego is for me to sabotage that in some way um, because I don't feel like worthiness underneath it all. It's like, I'll, I'll show you on the exoskeleton how worthy I am of X, Y, or Z, but underneath it, I truly don't believe it. And so I find a way to actually repulse the result that I want because if I got the result that I wanted, then I would actually feel like I was worth it, worthy of it. And so that's something that I've really worked on is, is really feeling worthy on the inside and the exterior will show eventually. Um, but coming in from a place of like, no, I truly deserve this in my heart rather than I'm going to show you and tell you how much I deserve it. But inside it's like not Are we, incongruency. Do you, do you think we're afraid of being selfish? Is that, is that where the line's getting crossed is that we're, we're afraid to feel worthy and we're confusing worthiness with selfishness. I, I think I, I'm sure that is for some, for me, it's more of you ever heard of the saying. It's not, it's not you. It's our, me. Our, no, it's not. Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Right. And I think for me, it's, I I've, I've always been afraid of like, well, what if I, if I am that powerful and if I do accomplish that, that means that I need to stand for something. And I, I don't know if I'm, have the confidence or the self-belief or X, Y, or Z to truly own that. And um, so I think that's, uh, that's for me though. I, I know it's different for everybody is like, that's where my self-sabotage comes from is like, so in other words, you would be a voice for people. Is that what you mean? Like people would look to you for right, direction. Like, now, now I have to have the answer. Shit. Right. <laughs> right. And right. it's easier to play small and be like, well, I'll just follow somebody. And so I think that's where a lot of my natural self-sabotage comes from. And I think it relates to this kind of stuff. It's like you, you want things so bad and it would be so awesome if this happened, but then somehow you naturally self-sabotage. So maybe the, the trick is is that the the business or the success grows big, but we stay small. You know, like I think today is a really good example of that, right? Like, and, and we're not saying that, that this guest won't come on, but it's it's the idea of with a certain amount of success and wealth and all these things that happen to us, if we personally stay small or stay humble you know, then, then maybe that's where the big stuff stays big. I don't know. Or, or, or maybe that's why, you know, that's what people would want to follow is that vulnerability. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, 
I think the interesting thing, especially with what in sales, which is what obviously we have a lot of experience in and sales management and sales leadership. The interesting thing is, is it's like, look, if you just want to make 300 grand to make 300 grand so that you can go buy the fancy house and the fancy car. Um, when you go to do an interview with a sales rep or you go to have a recruiting meeting, they smell that they know you don't give a crap about them. And so therefore you don't ever recruit a team that's going to make you that. And, and if you only want to make the money, um, because you know, whatever, whatever selfish reasons you, you want to make the money for when you go into a customer's home, they smell like, I, I think it's really, it's really bizarre to me how smart humans are on the other end of it, because it's like, man, you can, and, and how often have you sat in a meeting with, you know, we've all been recruited, obviously we've all worked in this industry, but how often have you, how, how many times have you sat in a recruiting meeting where you just, you know, you're nothing but a number to that person, or how often have we worked for a company where we know we're nothing but a number and, and like, I, th- I think you have to tie, I think the biggest thing that holds people back from, from really getting to that next level and really, really being able to, to get there is actually, is actually like, if you want to make that money and you want to build a team and you want to sell is actually doing it for the person sitting across from you, not for yourself. Like figure, like one thing when, when, when we, when we set out to, uh, at, at Fluent Solar, I thought it was really cool. Um, I can't remember. It was either Riss or Riss. I just combined you guys. (laughs) River or Jess. The new couple. The new, the new singular. But one of you guys um, brought to the table. You're like, Hey, one of my goals this year is I want to help one person make a million dollars. One more. I can't remember what the dollar amounts were to be honest. I think it was river. And he's like, I want to help, help X amount of people make a hundred thousand dollars for the first time in their life. I want to help X X amount of people make $250,000 a year. I want to make X amount of people make $500,000 a year. And like, to me, that's when, you know, you're working with someone that's going to be successful. That's when, when, when your goals are, are not focused on how much you want to make, but Hey, I know if I make that person and help that person and help that person and help that person, it's the same with the homeowner. If and that's why I love solar so much is because it's like, if I go into the home and I'm like, Hey, I want to help this customer save money. Um, the benefit is I also get to make a lot of money from it, but I want to help this customer save money rather than, you know, some of our, we've had a guy recently on the chat who's like, calculating his his commissions you know telling us how much he could make this week and it's like unfortunately that's a losing recipe like the winning recipe is you should be calculating how much money you can save the homeowners you're going to meet with um and then go show them that value and then just be super ecstatic that you work in an industry that you can make crazy money by helping people save even crazier amounts of money but you have to tie it to something deeper so i think a good example of that um oddly enough is network marketing. And I know like sometimes it gets a bad rap, but if you look at people who are successful at network marketing, they are extremely successful at lifting people up, right? Like the, the personal development side of things, because a lot of these cases, it's not necessarily a product you can't get somewhere else, right? It's not like you can't go get soap at the store that's organic or, or, you know, cleaners or, um, supplements or whatever. Skincare. Skincare, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makeup. Um, but what typically happens is it's a human, de- it's a human element where this person makes other people feel loved and feel important and that it's about them and it's about their growth and it's about their weight loss or it's about their, you know, their journey. Um, and I think we can learn a lot from that in regards to, you know, retention and, and business building, just caring about others. Well, one of the things that I, I heard, I think it was like a year ago, I don't remember what, on Instagram or some podcast. And they said, 
Um, direct sales is not a direct sales company. It's a self, uh, self-development platform with a commission plan. And I, I really love that. And I, I, I know you guys have heard me in recruiting meetings lately and um, saying this, basically saying, hey, if you just come work for Valor at Fluent Solar and you just make more money, then we failed you. Like we want you to make more money. We want you to have more time, be in better shape. And so one thing I've been asking myself is like, how do we, how do we create a system and how do we create a, the culture in Valor that people will be in better shape, that they'll win across all areas and not just make more money? Because you, you can make a lot of money anywhere. Right, but what's really going to differentiate us is long term is if we can help people not just make money, but also win in other areas. Like, what do you guys think? What are good ways to help create that culture and create systems to help people win in body being balanced in business? I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is a lot of these owners here in the valley that have created that have have in in Utah Valley. To be clear, I know we have international listeners. I mean, with, with the sales leaders that we deal with here, the, the direct sales leaders, um, I feel like, you know, Thank in, heavens, now involving, the in Pakistan know. In, involving, <laughs> involving, um, these, these leaders in different types of things, these, you know, we going in and doing, um, what, what was the, the thing you were doing last week? The, the self-development course, you know, doing self-development courses, doing other things like that. I feel like a lot of these big time leaders that have shown that they care more just about, you know, the, the person themselves instead of trying to develop them financially have held on to retaining their reps long-term. And I've noticed that it shows in the first time you sit down with these leaders. I don't want to name any specific leaders necessarily, but it also shows on the other side of it. You know, I can go back to like the first interview that I've had or sitting down with owners that didn't have that genuine care for me or for reps and didn't want to develop their life beyond making money. And long-term, like I just didn't feel that tie in. I didn't feel that love. I didn't feel that like, you know, camaraderie, that, that relationship as like a family type of setting versus, you know, um, some of these leaders that have created this great culture and have continued to have success. I feel like that's one thing that they, they have and they teach their leaders and they, they, they go through different, you know, layers of life versus just making money. I, well, I think that that's, that's a great foundation to start with, right? It is just having care and love and, and appreciation for people. And I think what, what you're trying to get at river is like, what is the process? Right. And I, and I think if, if you look at any success book or program or system, it's usually very simple, right? It's usually very simple four to six steps in most cases or four to six principles in most cases that people follow. And I think that as leaders, if we can tie into a system or create a system with four to six steps, right? And steps meaning like categories. Um, We talk about different categories of life. And then in each category, have a simple process to make that better. So one of those processes, you know, we've heard of the power hour or the 5 a.m. 5 a.m. club. We've heard of win the morning, right? Which is something that's really important or the valor morning. Um, we, we, if we have these systems in place and we can share them, uh, we had an experience actually on our, um, we use group me as kind of a, a means to communicate with our teams. And we had a brand new sales rep that was, I mean, she was, she was with the company for what, two days <laughs> and then started posting about win the morning and, 
um, very cultural things that we've done for a long time. And it was immediate, like immediately bought into that system. So to, to answer your question, River, I just think that we as leaders have to create a clear system and a clear direction. And I think it's important too. like you, you if you're if you're going to create that system and create that culture, it can't be any bullshit in it either. Like, you know, River was telling me on the way down here that him and Bryson traveled to Boise recently. And he said he said that Bryson woke River got up at six and started doing something. Bryson got up at seven, and started doing his thing. And Bryson jokingly said to him, man, you're not you're not joking around about that. When the morning shit, are you? <laughs> no, and that and that and was, it's like, <laughs> go ahead. But yeah, I mean, that was an eye opener because that that's the thing is a lot of these leaders that go on. And I, and I know this. They want to live a certain standard of what they talk about, but it's, it's kind of difficult. Like you, you have a standard that you want to live at and that you preach, preach about and you talk about, and it's hard to live up to that standard. But I noticed with river, it was an eye opener for me because I've worked with a lot of different leaders and not to say that they, they didn't always strive for that, but I've, I kind of have the, the mentality that, Hey, they're not always going to be able to achieve that because it's not realistic, maybe, even what they're talking about and what they're saying they should do. Um, but notice with River right away, like, he, he wins the morning. He does yeah. all of these things, and I'm like, if If River talks geez. about it, he does it. And, and I think that's the same – that's kind of the principle we have in Valley. Like, you're not going to hear me – talk about certain aspects of when the morning, because honestly, I don't do all of them like that. That's I, I get up, I go to the gym, I spend time with my wife. Like I, I have my own morning routine and I have my things that I do every day. Um, is that the exact same as rivers? It's absolutely not. Do I, do I actually think I would be more effective if it was the same as rivers? I do, but honestly, I haven't made it a priority to do some of the things that, that, uh, that river does. But regardless, I'm never going to stand up in front of the group and pretend like I, like I read every single day or like I, um, I write my goals every single day. I definitely do that sometimes, but I, but I, my point is like you, if you're going to build that culture and you're going to get people bought into, to bettering their lives in all areas, you, you kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the customers. Like if you're going to, if you're going to be a sales leader that stands up in front of people and says, I write my goals every day, I do this, I do that. And everyone knows you truly don't. Like, or, or you, or even if you truly know, the opposite you don't effect. like the opposite effect will happen. They're yeah. like, dude, Jason's a BS captain, king of the world. Like he acts like he's, he acts like he's getting up all early and doing all this crap. And we all like anybody that's traveled with him knows he gets up, goes to the gym and, and, and that's about, you know, and that's what he does. It's like, but, but they, people sniff it out immediately yep. and, and your culture will suffer. Like, I, I just, I just think, and one thing I, I really love about working with Jason, I always have. I remember, I remember my first day, I, I worked for a company called Local Voice. Um, and the first day I went and knocked, and I probably knocked for like an hour. And the next day we met up at McDonald's because that's where we were at. And um, I was like, dude, I worked so hard yesterday. And Jason just looked at me. He's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you worked for like an hour. Um, that, that's what I've always loved about working with Jason and um, what was the was just the, the fact of being genuine. And I, I read something on Instagram the other day that said, People don't want like a polished leader. People don't want someone that's like super polished and perfect. People just want someone that's real and genuine. And it's not realistic to say, yeah, every morning I read for an hour and then I meditate for an hour and then I hike a mountain and then, but consistently I do things to, to chip away. And I think when, when you're just being honest and say, no, I don't, I don't do these things every day, but I do strive to do them and I do them consistently. That's when people can buy into it. I think that's, if you, you know, there's certain, uh, social, influencers or, or business entrepreneurs like Gary V. Um, I think Gary V is one of those people where, you know, he, 
um, I was watching this clip of him and, and as he was kind of an up and comer, right? Like he'd had his wine library, he'd started some investments, he'd started some media stuff and, uh, somebody or actually multiple people basically told him like, if you clean up your language, <laughs> you know, if you clean up your language, you could be speaking to these big groups of thousands of people. And he basically said like, F you. You know, like he, he literally he said it. He didn't basically say <laughs> it. Yeah. He, literally he literally said, said it. it. But but like the, the point is, is that he had integrity to himself and to who he was. And when when you hear people talk about that, like let's say that let's say that um, the Valor Morning is something that you believe in and something that you embody. Right. But you fail one week or you fail one day. It's the leader that says, I failed at that. Right. Like it's a leader that says, yeah, I normally do this, but I had a bad day yesterday. It's that I think it's that honesty and that integrity that actually makes us want to follow the person who is doing those things 99% of the time. But if they're, and, and I hope that most people do it more than that, but let's be real. Like most leaders have, have faults and, and are weak, you know, in yeah, you're not, you're not going to follow somebody that doesn't have that human aspect. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that attracted me to Graham and you guys too, Graham Wood with Fluent is just, he, he is real and raw and he, you know, if, if there's something that doesn't work out correctly, he's willing to, to own it and fix it and change it. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's a huge thing in business. A lot of people have a lot of pride and, you know, they get to a certain point. They, they don't want to admit that they're, that things haven't went the right way and, or, or something, that, something little needs to be changed. And, and that's, that's a huge thing. I feel like that. That's the culture at Fluent though. Yep. From Graham to, if you look at like Scott too, like Scott is our COO and really probably the guy that's does a lot of what running the company. Like Scott is Scott. I always like, sometimes I come at Scott and I'm like, man, he's one of these days he's just going to like punt deck me. <laughs> like, but he's always just like, dude, you're right. Let's fix that. And I'm like, damn, like that is a really great place to work because in the past, it was, I never would get that response. You're right. Let's, we should look into it. Let's fix that. And we, we meet about it right then. And we're, we're, we're coming up with solutions on how to fix that. And we do it. And it's bled. It's taught me a ton because I'm like, like, it, you don't because, always have because, to fight it. Yeah. You don't have to fight it. And, and in the past, like I was always, when, when you get defensive, when they get defensive on their end, on the operations or on whatever, like you a hundred percent tend to also be defensive when, uh, when when people come to you and are like, hey, your guys are doing this or this, we need to, the sales guys are doing this. It's like, you know, you immediately are just like, screw you guys. Like, we're not going to fix it. And now it's like, yeah, you're right. We, we probably should mold that and change that. And and it's like, man, what what a refreshing way to, to run a business. Like, it really, really has been awesome. This, uh, yeah. you actually brought up a quote the other day, Jason. He said, uh, this is me learning, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the leader of our company, um, you know, multi, multi-millionaire and, and has produced millions of jobs, or not jobs, but dollars and, and uh, thousands of jobs for people. And there's a certain amount of humility. Um, I went I went mountain biking with him yesterday, and as we were as we were like getting ready to go, I haven't been in a while, and uh, he's got his you know he's all geared up with his pads and stuff, and uh, I'm basically like in sandals and <laughs> just uh, like shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, he took takes off his his protective gear like his pads and his elbow pads and stuff, and gives them to me, and I and, and he's like here you probably need these more than I do, and I just. That was like a very simple act of kindness that makes people want to follow leaders like that, you know, and most yeah. people wouldn't even think of that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have even thought so. And I was the only one that didn't crash. 
Um, but <laughs> the only one that didn't need them. <laughs> ended up being the only one that didn't need them. But if I had, you know, um, so I very, very grateful. Sorry for, about your elbows, Graham. Yeah, very grateful for leaders like that. So what, uh, what my, my question is, is like, we're talking about these, these systems and, and so forth, but like, how do we, how do we specifically as leaders build these attributes? What are we doing, you know, personally to better ourselves? So, <clears throat> so this is going to go a little bit off what you're asking, but I, I think, I think it's always important to be like the way I, I view leadership is, is if you want someone else, someone to go where you, where you're, if you want someone to go somewhere, you better go there first. Right. And so it's like, Hey, I want you to grow. It's like, well, why aren't you growing? And there's no point in my opinion where a, a leader should be stagnant, right? You shouldn't be stagnant in any area. You should always be fre- doing something to make yourself fresh, trying new things. But I wanted to talk about how do we create a system where people feel that? And this is something I've been thinking a lot. And I actually was going to talk to you guys about it. Why not at the podcast was what if we created something when anybody gets onboarded the first of every month, you said, Hey, you can enroll into the Valor Challenge. What the Valor Challenge is, is a thirty day a thirty day challenge. The thirty day challenge is you have six different steps you need to complete before eleven a.m. And on that Valor Group Me, the Valor Challenge Group Me, you have leaders that keep people accountable. And every day, it's just like seventy five hard, just the Valor Challenge. And every day, as you get onboarded, hey, if you do these six th- things in the morning every single morning for thirty days, you'll make more money than you've ever had, and you'll be in better shape, and you do all the things that we've talked about. But if you miss one day, then you get kicked out of the group and you can restart the first day of, of the next month. Of the next month. This is totally not what you're asking, but I've just been thinking about it. I just, I no, just it is what it is actually what I'm asking because you're this is actually in real time. Because <laughs> what we're talking about is like how to develop people, right? Which which ends up developing ourselves. So I I mean I think that's that's an awesome idea. What what really ends up ruining experiences like that, you know, like to in order to set that up properly it has to be managed properly, right? Because I think what happens again as leaders, if we come back to us, is that we get really excited about ideas. (laughs) You know, like there's something that's really awesome, like the Valor Challenge. And then like a weekend, we're like, damn, I like, I don't necessarily want to, you know, like spend time. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's, we have to keep up the energy and the consistency and the process in order to make it successful or they, or it fails. Like we were, quick example, we were in a, our corporate meeting and we were talking about some people calling in sick. And one of my first questions was, what is the leader doing? Right. Turns out the leader was calling in sick. So then the question is, is like, how do we, you know, like if we want to maintain something like the Valor Challenge or something like that, then we have to be consistent day in and day out. Like, how do we keep that up? That's, that's really so, like, how do you have the stamina? So this is actually my thought because I did a 30 day challenge and I only allowed four people in. Yeah. And first, same thing. First two weeks it was awesome. Every single day I was posting, keeping people accountable and eventually it just fell apart. And I think people got some results, but not what I wanted. And it was lack of leadership is lack of me. But one thing that I, I, I went through warrior, which is like a, it's called warrior week. If you don't know what it is, it's, it's pretty intense. But prior to warrior week, there's a 30 day, like, basically integration and the integration is super intense and you're not even there. It's just through group me. And one thing that they did every single night was they would just say, who's the leader tomorrow. And so let's say we have 30 people in the group, pretty easy. You just delegate that you find a leader and it's the leader's responsibility to make sure that everybody's accounted for. And I, th- I feel like the, the more you can delegate it, the better, right. And create a system around it. And that's, that's what I think 
would work. Which comes back to trust, right? Like, cause if you, if you're going to delegate, you have to trust. And that's a lot of times we're in these positions, I think, because there, there's a lot of type A personalities and leadership and kind of control freaks. And, and that is and not everybody, but I think a lot of people in leadership, <laughs> Jason's giving me the look like, really? Um, a lot of people are type A me? leaders. <laughs> um, and the, the question is, is like, um, again, in regards to growth is how do you trust somebody that, you know, might fail, right? Like that's, that's hard. That's hard to do when you know, like that person might fail. How do you relinquish that? And, and delegate it's it's a special special attribute that not everybody has is the ability to delegate so how do how do you do that like how do how do you feel comfortable delegating i i would say i'm not comfortable i'd say <laughs> i'm i'm learning a ton you know like this is me learning <laughs> this is yeah. me learning like i mean th- this year i've probably felt like i felt them like just fell on my face more than any year and so i, I don't have an answer um but i i heard something one time at a conference and uh it just Right, rings true to me. I said, trust anyways, right? It's like, how do you trust your kid that is learning to walk? How do you trust him that he won't fall? It's like, he probably will fall. That's okay. He'll try again and try again until he learns to walk. I mean, I look at me. For the first three years I worked with Jason, I just fell and fell and fell and fell. And he just kept on saying, no, you can walk, dude. You got it. You can walk. Just get up and walk. And then I'd, I'd walk a step and I'd fall on my face and I'd be crying. I'd be like, dude, I, I don't know if I can walk. And then, um, I feel like I learned how to crawl and now I feel like I can walk a little bit and hopefully I learn how to run here soon. But I think you just have to trust and just trust the process and trust that person that <clears throat> just like any of us, any, if we fall on our face enough, eventually we'll learn how to walk. And I just think you have to surrender to that process and allow them to go through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the transition for me from, it was really weird when I, when I became a, a manager in solar, it came very natural. It was, it was very easy truthfully. And, and sometimes I think I take for granted how, how natural it came. And I don't really, I've never took the time to figure out why, but transitioning, um, about a year into that, um, I got to move to, to be a regional or whatever they wanted to call me at the time. And that was the hardest because letting go of the control at that time, I, I handed my, my, the team over that I had built that we were, we were doing about 200 accounts a month just here in Utah. Um, hand that over to a couple managers and and not just grabbing a lot of like it, it not a lot of the time I just wanted to go in and just shake people you know just like what in the heck like you know it's so simple just reply to calls just fix these things just do these things like it's so simple why are you not doing these things like I just it boggled my mind it, it really frustrated me um and eventually I just learned that like first of all you have to let like when you say okay you're gonna handle this I just say okay you're gonna handle it and and unless until that person until that person gives up on me, I don't give up on them. And what I mean by that is, is if, if they give up on me, uh, one way they would give up on me is if, if they say they're going to handle something and they don't, then, then in my opinion, they gave up on me. I, mm. And then I give up on them. Then it's like, okay, well I can't, I can't trust that person. But the other side is like, and we have, we have a few leaders at this company um, that I've given multiple opportunities, river, one of them um, that they didn't, they didn't, excel maybe the way they wanted to or the way I wanted them to the first time. Some of them, you know, River, for example, and I'm not trying to hate on River, but he didn't excel the second time the way we wanted him to. Jeez, River. But the but the third time, the third or fourth time, I can't remember what time, he completely freaking kicked ass. And I could have I could have very easily 
said, well, River River moved to South Carolina and he didn't do much and I could blame River for that, but and then I moved and then River moved somewhere else and he didn't he didn't do quite what we'd hoped. But the reality is especially in that scenario, especially in most scenarios, more of that probably falls back. Not, not more, probably more of that falls back on what I was giving him when he was in these areas versus what he was given of a level of support for me um, amongst other people when he went to, let's say Boise, which is where river really caught, caught traction. Um, And so it's like, it's, it's easy. It's easy to give up on people and blame people um, when they're not successful What's not easy is to say what the health could have, why would they, why did they fail on my watch? Because the reality is you probably failed them and that's why they're not doing well. You know that, and that's a conversation river have a lot. We're like, Hey, what can we do to help this guy? What are we doing? And the conversation always goes back to what are we doing to be poor leaders that, that, that office isn't, isn't thriving more. Well, yeah, I think, well, one thing you just said, Jason is, is I think kind of the answer, which is, originally you were a natural leader, right? Like you Mm -hmm. felt like a natural manager. Mm -hmm. And so I assume in your mind, you're thinking, why is this person not a natural manager? (laughs) Right. And so at some point you have to learn that like, I actually have to give this person the skills and the tools that in, in order to become essentially like what I'm doing naturally. And I, I thought of something like while you were talking, um, you know, the quote, high tides raise all ships. It should actually be high tides raise most ships because sometimes what happens is like some of those guys get tossed, guys and girls get tossed in the waves and sink. And, and, you know, as far as like the cream rises to the top, um, that's actually true, but not all ships are going to make it. And and that's, that's kind of where the trust comes in, right? Is like, as long as we're giving them the tools and the processes and so forth, then Hopefully yeah. they can make it. Hopefully they can make it. And also if you see their boat sinking, maybe you should say, Hey, all these tides are raising. And I put that guy in a fishing boat and I put that guy in a yacht. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason, maybe that's the reason they're sinking. Maybe I need to go get them out of their fishing boat and, and retrain them. You need to reshow them. And, and I, I, I just truthfully believe that if, if you're, if your sales leaders aren't thriving, it's a reflection of you. Um, and, and, and you have to, you have to figure out where that reflection is. And it's, it's that, and that's what, that's one of my, I think, you know, not to brag about myself, but one of my best traits that I've picked up somewhere, I, I, I like to think it's for my dad, but is, is being self-aware enough to say like, wow, I really suck in that area, but I'm really good in this area. And then if you really suck in an area, you can either get better at it or you can find other people that are good at it and be like, Hey, can you handle this? Jess, can you handle this? Because you're really good at that. And that's an area I'm not as great at, but I'm really good at doing this over here. So let me, let me, let me solve that river. Can you, can you manage the 30 day challenge? Because you're super good at following through with that stuff. I'm really good at coming up with those ideas, but I also know like if I came up with that idea that river came up with, it would fall flat on its face because I would lose steam on it. Like two days in, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, this shit's overwhelming. I'm done. You know, what's interesting is, um, I get a lot of epiphanies when you're talking, so that's a good thing between the four of us, right? Like when, when we, um, decided to work together, there were some obvious strengths, right? In the four of us, each one had a certain strength that I think we felt would develop Bison's as clearly as chest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just the shirt. His face it makes it look like that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> His looks. Uh, but we, we had very, I felt clearly defined strengths 
And what's interesting is the longer we work together, the the more blurred those lines become. I feel like I'm gaining things from you guys that I didn't have before. And I'm watching you gain things from me that you might have not have had before and vice versa. And so I think it's, I think it's really cool to see where if you are focusing on your strengths with other people that you're naturally taking on some of their energy, you know, um, you're kind of pulling some of their attributes into you, which is, it goes back to that, you know, the, the thing about the five people you spend the most time with and, and how important that is. It's, it's extremely important. Well, one thing um, to kind of go back to going back to like developing leaderships, because we're talking, Jason's basically saying it's easy to lead people, but it's hard to lead leaders, right? Like that's, that's, the, that's the jump of, of leadership. And looking back when I was in South Carolina, I actually was thinking this like a few days ago, I was like, man, if, if, if river today just sat down with the river then and just said, Hey, all you're doing is thinking about this and a way that isn't serving you. If you just shifted the way you thought you would be successful. Like it's really that easy. At least for, looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I, I don't know if I would have ever learned that if I wouldn't have went through that process, like the refiner's fire, so to speak, at least my own refiner's fire. And I think a big part of it is, yes, we can help. Yes, it always falls back on, on us. But it's also part of being a leader, is, I think, is patience as well and allowing them to develop at their pace. And you can't I, – I, I try so hard, and if it doesn't work any – like ever, is to, to develop that person from my perspective. If you just did this, this, and this, you'd be successful. And it's like, well, where they're at or their perspective is not there yet. And so they have to, you have to, I, I have to be patient and allow them to, to come to the, those conclusions by themselves. I can't force that, if that makes sense. It, also, uh, you have to, it's like what we talked about yesterday with, uh, with reps, like, and, and Jess gave the analogy of his kids. Like, if, if Jess, it's it, managing is just like parenting. Like, if I go out, and I go to my home, my home tonight and I'm like, okay. And my daughter's like, man, this boy hurt my feelings. And I like get on Instagram and I'm like, Hey, listen, you little piece of shit. You ever hurt my daughter's feelings again? I'm going to kill you. Like that's over coddling my daughter. Um, I also can under coddle and be like, quit being, quit being a pansy, like just step it up. Like it, and, and managing is the same way. Like you have to find the, the gray area because if you over coddle your managers, they will forever lean on you and, and not stand on their own two feet and not, not go through the refiner's fire. But if you, I think a lot of times we under coddle, we, we under as well. I think there's, there's both sides. We do both and, and with different leaders and even myself, like some leaders that go out, I'm like, it maybe that I've built a really good friendship with them. So I'm like, I'm really protective of them. And some other leaders, I'm like, I don't know that guy as well. So I don't, you know, I just kind of like, I'll let River handle that guy. Uh, other people's kids, right? Yeah, they're other yeah. people's kids. And it's like, <laughs> you have to treat everybody like a kid and you have to, you have to find that balance. And, and the hard part is, is there's no real way to understand what that balance is other than just kind of going, no, through, going through your intuition and, and having good intuition and being self-aware and saying, okay, like last week I didn't give X manager the attention he deserves or needs. So I'm going to be better this week or at last week I screwed up because I gave that guy way too much attention and I did everything for him. So therefore he learned nothing and I learned everything. So I need to back off and like, just kind of, and it's, and it's an every day, every minute, every, every time you have a conversation evaluation that you, you have to learn to have kind of subconsciously of like, like, and I think that's what makes a leader good. Right. Is like, if you can, if you can have that conversation of, okay, how did that call go? Like, and that's the weird thing is you have to, you have to always be thinking you have to always be learning. You have to always be growing. Cause every time you get off a call, 
if you're just like, oh, cool, talk talk to Cooper today. Cooper's doing good, sweet. Like if if that's all you're thinking about when you get off a call with with your leader or your rep, um, you're probably not doing well because because I get off a call and I'm like, man, I really probably could have done better doing this. I probably could have done better, backed off a little bit, um, and let Cooper learn there. I'm I'm using Cooper's name example for whatever reason, but. I'm just like, I, I can, uh, I can always, I can always figure out how to be better. Well, um, whether that means letting off or pushing more with, uh, again, going back to parenting and almost step parenting. Like there's a lot of these kids or sales reps, right. That have been parented by someone else, Yep. right. They've come from a different company. They've come from a different leadership or whatever. And just like kids, it's not their fault that they were parented that way. And it might've been great. It might've not, might've not been great at all. Um, and as a kid who was kind of shipped around to different households, I understand how confusing it can be to be in different houses and not knowing the expectations. And so I think that from the onset, if we want to talk about being leaders to, to sales reps that are coming from different industries or different places, that the number one thing that we should be doing is setting clear expectations. And that's again, same thing with parenting. Like if I, if I set a clear expectation, I say, you know, this, this room needs to be clean in the next 10 minutes, right? Or you're not getting your toys and then sticking to what I say, like making a very, very clear expectation, making sure that boundaries are collect, are correct. And I think that's what will help our sales reps and our people to thrive is just to have those proper expectations as we're, you know, that hopefully that goes along with what you're saying. But just, 100%. I think I think the saying "manage systems, lead people" really applies right there. It's like if you if you don't have a system that sets out the expectations for what the what it means to be a sales rep, what it means to be a sales manager, like that's how you manage expectations. Is you manage systems, and then 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 if that's taken care of, then you can lead people. But I think oftentimes, at least for me, it's like I, I haven't created systems, so I need to manage people. Where the best and most effective way to do that is to create systems that manage, and then you're just leading. Well, guys, I, I'm super, super grateful for this conversation. Um, we we had to pivot, you know, we had to kind of take a take a different course from where we originally thought we were going to be today. And I think we got some really great content and ideas. I know I learned a lot. Um, and so I just I appreciate everybody's uh, flexibility and and, you know, like like River talks about often kind of staying between like a four and a six. Right. Like so you're not at a one and not at a ten. Um, I, I got to admit, like we were probably pretty bummed out, but um but the way that we can pivot and, and still talk about things that matter is just super important. So I appreciate you guys and, and appreciate that flexibility. Yeah. Appreciate you as well. Super so, fun. Thanks guys. Thanks so much for thanks listening. Um, make sure that you follow us on the Valor podcast. And if you enjoy this show, make sure that you share it uh, with your friends and give us a five-star rating and make sure that, that uh, if you have any input or questions, reach out to us. We're, we're uh, happy to be here for you. So take care. We love you all.